Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit Warfare podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers, and each week, twice a week, I bring you brand new cutting-edge military histories from Napoleonic battles and Cold War confrontations through to the Normandy landings and 9-11. You can pop back through our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, and you can check out our original content on Instagram at James Rogers History. Got some great reels and stories on the go there, and on Twitter at HistoryHitWW2. Also, check out our TV documentaries on HistoryHit.com. Now, once a week, I like to delve deep into the History Hit archive and pull out an episode that I think deserves a bit more attention. And with a title like this, you can understand why. This one is on the Forgotten Bastards of the Eastern Front. The story behind this is that from 1941 onwards, Stalin's Soviet Union was joined in that close but awkward coalition with the Western Allies. Military aid and intelligence flowed to the Soviets, but virtually no troops. And this was with the exception of a small group of US airmen who were sent to Russia to set up an air operation to bomb targets in the Third Reich. This is a story of that unit, and they called themselves the Forgotten Bastards of the Eastern Front. So here is Harvard professor Serhi Plotky on all the material he has uncovered that sheds new light on their time in Stalin's Russia. Enjoy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a great pleasure to be on the program. Now, this is a, it does what it says on the tin. This is a forgotten story. How did these airmen find their way to the Soviet Union during the Second World War? <laughs> this, is, this is a good question. Well, uh, they first had to come to Britain, and then most of them uh, were uh, shipped by, uh, by sea. First, they went to Mediterranean, they went to Egypt, then they took uh, a train ride to uh, Iran, and then they put them on the tracks, and eventually they got to the Caucasus in the Soviet Union and ended up in uh, Ukraine, what is today independent Ukraine. So it was a long, long journey. But some of them uh, actually flew from Britain to Tehran and then from Tehran to Moscow and eventually ended up in Poltava again. That's that's the area in Ukraine where they built three air bases. 
And we all know Poltava from Peter the Great's great victory over the Swedes. Exactly. But we shouldn't get diverted. I, I had never really thought about this before, but in the Second World War, Stalin was very happy to accept uh, supplies from the Western Allies. Was there any suggestion? When, when did the suggestion come up of actually sending men, soldiers, airmen? Uh, and why did they choose this group of airmen to send? Well, at that time when they, they came up with that idea, it was 1943. They were planning for uh, landing uh, in, in uh, Europe, not in, in Italy, but in France. And they were sh convinced that first they had to defeat Luftwaffe for what became D-Day to become successful. And uh, they had to bomb the uh, factories where the Luftwaffe built, built their airplanes. They had to deal with the oil uh, refineries. And a lot of that was really in Central and Eastern Europe. And at that time in 1943, they had uh, wonderful bombers that were called B-17 flying fortresses. But they didn't have yet the fighter planes that would be, that would fly all the way, let's say, to Hungary or let's say to Romania to the oil fields, or bomb the the uh, Luftwaffe facilities in Poland and then come back to Britain. So. Uh, what they decided to do instead, they thought, okay, let's introduce a shuttle bombing. That's how they called it. So that the planes would take off from the airfields in Britain, bomb their targets in Eastern Europe, and then land on the Soviet-controlled territory, refuel, get new ammunition, and then fly back and bomb those targets or other targets again. So that was, that was the idea, and they presented that idea to the Soviets in the fall of 1943, and uh, the Soviets were not really thrilled with that, <laughs> with that proposal. What, why not? Well, uh, the, the main reason was that uh, Stalin was fighting uh, the war. It was a really strange alliance in many ways. Uh, again, Churchill coined the, the phrase, decided to call it Grand Alliance. But it was strange alliance in which the uh, countries started the war on the different sides of the divide. Of course, Stalin backed Hitler. Uh, at the time when Britain and France declared war on, on Nazi Germany. And then when uh, the Hitler attacked the Soviet Union and the, the, the three countries came together, Britain, the Soviet Union, and the United States, they fought in a very strange way in a sense that the British and the Americans were fighting together, but the Soviets were waging their own war. So they were accepting supplies, but didn't want actually to have any joint uh, military operations. So what the Americans suggested to them in the fall of 1943 was exactly what they were not prepared to do, a joint military operation. And uh, one of the reasons for that was, of course, that they didn't trust the, the, the capitalists. They didn't trust uh, imperialists, uh, as, as they called certainly Britain and, and uh, later the United States. They were afraid that the contact between the Western allies and their own population would not be good for ideological purity of, of the uh, Soviet people. And last but not least, they, uh, Stalin and Molotov and people around him, they came out of the experience of the 
revolution and civil war in Russia when there were foreign troops, including American troops and, and French troops and British troops on the uh, Soviet territory. And uh, they, they had really deep scars from those experiences. And, and talk to, but, but they decided that it would be tolerable. Um, they decided to make an exception in this case. Yes, yes. One thing that Stalin wanted from the Allies was the second front in Europe, in, in France in particular. And to convince them to do that, he was making all sorts of concessions. One of them was that he dissolved in 1943 before, uh, be, before the um, Big Three conference in Tehran. He dissolved the international uh, Communist International, the so-called Comintern, the, the organization that was running communist parties all over the world on behalf of Moscow. He decided a few weeks before coming of the uh, British church delegation to the Soviet Union to allow the election of the patriarch of, of uh, the Russian Orthodox Church really reinstated the Russian Orthodox Church as a legal entity in the Soviet Union. And allowing American air bases on the Soviet territory was also part of that of that great design to, to 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 please the Allies and to make sure that they actually land in in France. What about the um, was there something particular about these uh, the aircraft the capability the, the, the that was missing from Soviet air forces the, the, for example the bomb load or the ability to target in, inside the Reich. Well, the Soviet Air Force uh, was, uh, to a great degree, relied on the American land lease. So some of the best uh, Soviet airplanes were really American airplanes. Uh, and another thing was that they lacked at that point uh, kind of a long-distance strategic aviation at all. So their aviation, like their navy, was working uh, in support of the of the ground troops. So they they were really operating within the the front line, uh, and uh, they were very much interested in in uh, exactly as you said the devices that Americans had to uh, do target bombing. Uh, they were also interested in getting um, in getting the radars, the radars that they can use on the airplanes. They didn't have that, and that meant that they couldn't fight effectively during the nighttime. Something that that uh, Americans were really surprised in roughly one week after the opening of the air bases, where Luftwaffe conducted a raid on the American airplanes that landed in Ukraine, and the Soviets actually were uh, unable to to protect uh, their allies. So they were not able to shoot even one uh, Amer uh, German airplane. Uh, at the same time, uh, the Americans lost dozens of their airplanes on the ground, and uh, uh, the American commanders who were there compared that to Pearl Harbor. So uh, the uh, uh, one of my chapters in the book is uh, titled Pearl Harbor on the Steps. That's where the, the there was the second biggest losses of American airplanes on the ground since Pearl Harbor, exactly for the reasons that the Soviets lacked, uh, lacked uh, new technology, including radars. What did 
Tudor men like their women to look like. They should have broad shoulders, fleshy arms, fleshy legs and broad hips. What did 17th century Londoners think of coffee? A syrup of soot and the essence of old shoes. And what did executioners wear? A lot of these guys, they were clothes horses because it's a big public spectacle. All the eyes are on you. I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and in my podcast, Not Just the Tudors, we talk about everything from monasteries to the Medici, sex to spying, wardrobes to witch trials. Not, in other words, just the Tudors, but most definitely also the Tudors. Subscribe from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You mentioned these bases now in, in the Ukraine. What conditions were the Americans there under? Were they allowed to travel freely or, or were the bases sort of uh, sanitized and, and uh, heavily defended? Well, they were really under the watchful eye of the Soviet uh, Red Army military counterintelligence. And the name of that unit was Smersh, which means death to the spies. So the, the uh, unit uh, was created to fight, of course, the German penetration of, of the Red Army and rear. But in that particular case, they were working against the Americans. 
And then the another another uh, secret police institution, which was called the uh, People's Commissariat for the State Security, was watching the locals. So there were really uh, physical and metaphorical walls built between the American airmen and the local population, uh, which which of course uh, uh, didn't create good atmosphere at the basis. And uh, in particular, there was one issue that bothered Americans a lot, and that was their, so to speak, dating rights, whether they could date the local women or not. Uh, the uh, dating uh, women in the Red Army uh, was absolutely prohibited. And then the secret police, Stalin secret police, tried to manipulate the relationship between the Americans and, and local women Uh, First, to send a message that Americans were really welcome on the on the Soviet territory. That before the uh, before that um, big bombing by Luftwaffe, uh, and then trying to push the Americans out of the Soviet Union. Eventually, they they succeeded in doing that by the end of the summer of 1944 leaving just one air base uh, operational with a skeleton crew there. Uh, and that, that, that base was at Poltava, and it lasted all the way until the end of the war in June of 1945. So, so, so really this very early um, Pearl Harbor on the steps, this German Luftwaffe attack against the air base, almost stopped the project in its tracks before it was properly underway. Well, uh, it it was a huge embarrassment for the Soviets. They they didn't they didn't uh, want the Americans to be there anymore for that reason. But another reason was that it happened already a few weeks after the opening of the Second Front in France. So the the big reason why why Stalin allowed those bases was not there anymore. And on the top of that, the uh, uh, Red Army launched a very successful uh, offensive, moving the front line further to the uh, further to the west. And uh, all of these things they they made uh, Stalin much more agreeable in terms of the basis. And finally, when uh, uh, first uh, first it was uh, Prime Minister Churchill and then uh, President Roosevelt wanted to use the Poltava base to resupply the uh, revolt anti-Nazi uprising in Warsaw. And Stalin wanted, actually, that uprising to be to be defeated by the Germans. So when they asked Stalin to, to, to allow, to use Poltava bases, that's actually when uh, the, the decision really was made in Moscow that uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't want Americans on the on, on the Soviet territory anymore. They didn't want the shuttle bombing. And from your book title, the Americans referred to themselves as forgotten bastards. I mean, did the the reports that you've read from the American side? I mean, did, were, were they pretty miserable there? Did they find it fascinating? Did any of them were any of them converted to, to communism? Well, uh, that's that's uh, to a degree what I expected before I I started really digging deeper into the archives, both American and Soviet secret police archives. But the story that I uncovered was was of a very different nature. Most of the Americans came to uh, the Soviet Union with really high expectations for future cooperation. 
They uh, held the, 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 the Soviet war record in high regard. Again, that was against Stalingrad, against Kursk. And uh, many of them were not uh, uh, ideologically, really uh, ideologically hostile toward uh, socialism as, as, as such. So many of them came from the families with uh, um, uh, roots in the region, the, the, the families that fled the Russian Empire, uh, be, had leftist leanings. Um, most of them lived through a great depression, so they didn't. They didn't look. Most of them, at least, they didn't look at the uh, Soviet Union as as a, as, as a potential uh, enemy. But by the time they left the Soviet Union, living through that experience of the really uh, close surveillance and and interference with the dating and official lies. Almost all of them left uh, the Soviet Union to be sworn enemies of, of uh, the Union, of, of, of socialism, of communism, you name it. So uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting, really, experiment where they came as friends and many of them left as enemies. And is there any lasting legacy? It didn't, didn't seem to sway the course of the Second World War particularly, but is there any other political or strategic legacy of, of these forgotten bastards? Well, uh, the reason why the the uh, Americans insisted on the basis, first of all, to be to be established, and then for them going on, was not just that shuttle bombing uh, reason that I gave you earlier. Because by 1944, the Americans already had the fighters, Mustang fighters, that were able to escort their flying fortresses. So the strategic reason was not there already by by mid or uh, fall of 1944. But the Americans believed that they needed uh, the Soviets to agree to create more air bases, now not in Europe, but in the Far East, for the fight with, with uh, Japan. And for that reason, their, their main objective, really political objective, was to show that allies can work together, can, can fight together, and uh, to convince the Soviets to allow this uh, basis in the Far East. Eventually, uh, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen because the relations at, at Poltava were not great, but that also didn't happen because eventually the Americans decided that they could, they could fight Japan without air bases in the Soviet Union. But the long-term uh, uh, impact uh, was, was really summarized by one of the of the American uh, airman who was there uh, in Ukraine. And he later wrote a memoir where he said that uh, what we experienced back then in 1944 in Ukraine was really the beginning of the Cold War. And indeed, I look at the trajectories of uh, many of the people who were involved with those um, bases in Poltava, starting with the American ambassador, Errol Harriman, continuing with the uh, head of the U.S. military mission, General Dean, and then officers on the ground, uh, they became really major figures uh, or important figures in the early Cold War. Uh, they were experts on the Soviet Union that, to a degree that others were not, and uh, again, in that sense, really uh, looking at those air bases, you see the, the early origins of the Cold War. 
And the clash, clash was there be, really between something that one can call freedom and tyranny because the, the, the Americans eventually refused to accept the, 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 the legitimacy of the police state uh, that they, they were forced to live in for, for some of them for a few months, others for more than a year. Well, uh, that is, it's a forgotten story. I should say, were you able to look at the, the Russian archives for this story, the old Soviet archives? Well, uh, exactly. That That is my main contribution when it comes to uh, archival evidence, because I worked with the archives of the secret police, uh, with the Red Army counterintelligence, but also the, the this People's Commissariat for State Security. Uh, and uh, it, it presented presented the entire story from a completely different different angle. Uh, the this those archives uh, are inaccessible. Un, uh, that kind of archives are inaccessible today in Russia, but they became accessible in Ukraine, especially in the last few years. Well, I'm sure there's lots of other rather interesting things in there. Can we expect more from your pen soon? <laughs> well, uh, uh, certainly, I, I, I keep digging in the in, in in those archives, including the KGB archives. And my next project is on the on the history of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And what I am bringing to the table in in terms of new sources are the KGB reports on all those um, ships that were that went to to Cuba. Uh, and uh, each of them, it had a, a KGB officer on board, and then they were filing their reports back. So, again, yes, yes, there, there, is, <laughs> there are more revelations coming. That's so exciting. Please come back on the podcast and talk about those. In the meantime, good luck with your book, uh, Forgotten Bastards of the Eastern Front. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. If you're enjoying this podcast and you're looking for more fascinating warfare content, then go and subscribe to our Warfare Wednesdays newsletter. Just follow the link in the show notes to find out more. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland, further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.